If you need help getting Social Security Disability Benefits, then this podcast is for you. Give me 15 minutes and I'll pull back the curtain on disability and reveal the secrets to winning I've learned over the past 25 plus years. Hi, I'm Jonathan Ginsberg and I'm a practicing Social Security Disability Lawyer. I want to help deserving claimants just like you win the benefits you deserve and not one penny less. Now, if you already know you need help today, go to ssdanswers.com for a free and confidential evaluation of your case. It takes just two minutes. That's ssdanswers.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Now, let's start the show. Hi there, and welcome back to Social Security Disability Podcast. This is Jonathan Ginsberg, your host. And today I want to talk to you about evidence. And what led me to come up with this idea was I was at a hearing recently where I had a very, very talkative judge. The judge was basically telling us what she was thinking in real time. And essentially what she said to my client was, look, I'd like to approve you, but I have to have the evidence to support a favorable decision. And judges don't normally do that. And during the course of the hearing, whenever something would pop up, whatever issue would come up, she would give her a comment about this is good evidence or this is not very good evidence, and she would explain why. And of course, having done lots and lots of hearings, hundreds of hearings, I've got a pretty good idea of what makes good evidence and what is not good evidence, but it was kind of refreshing to hear it from a judge. And I just want to go over it with you so you have an idea of what type of evidence that the judge needs to approve your case. Because if you're just starting the process of applying for disability, or if you're in the middle of it, or if you've got a hearing coming up, knowing what kind of evidence you've got to have uh, is really, really important. And remember, the issue in a disability case is whether or not you have the capacity to do any kind of work. So ultimately, the judge is looking for evidence that talks about your activity limitations, and specifically activity limitations that would arise in terms of your capacity for work. So that's what I want to talk about today is the medical evidence that you need, and non-medical evidence for that matter, that you need to convince a judge that you no longer have the capacity for work. This is what judges are looking for. So again, get this early and get it often. Um, I think first and foremost is the evidence you've got to have, the medical evidence you've got, non-medical as well, needs to date back to approximately the date that you're alleging your disability began. So, for example, if you're saying that your dis- your disability began in 2015, but the first bit of evidence in your files from 2017 or 2018, you should ass- you cannot assume the judge is going to make that leap and assume that because you were having problems in 2018 that those same problems existed in 2015. And a lot of times what I see is that Social Security, when they initially request medical records, they request them, the doctors provide maybe the last year or two, and even though the evidence does exist, the medical records do exist going back three, four, five, ten years, Social Security only puts into the file the last couple of years. So it's very, very common that if you're alleging an onset date going back three, four, five years, that the evidence won't be in the file even though it does exist. And so that's one of the things that an attorney like me will do is we'll see what's missing and try to get evidence going back to the day. In fact, right now I'm working on a case 
where I've got to get VA evidence that goes back about five or six years. We've got really good evidence the last three years, but going back five or six years, we don't have anything. And in fact, I could use evidence going back 10 years. And we've requested it. The VA says they don't have it. My client insists he was treating at the VA. We'll see what that comes up, how that works out. But at the end of the day, if I don't have that evidence, the judge is not going to prove my case, even though uh, my client is very, very credible and clearly has significant problems. They don't date back to uh, five years ago when the person was still insured for disability benefits. So, again, a judge will make reasonable um, assumptions. Uh, for example, if you have an MRI in, I'll just use it, March of 2018 that shows multiple disc herniations, and you say and you testify that in October 2017 you were in a serious car accident or you fell off a roof or you have an ER visit, I think a judge can assume that your back problem really did arise back in October 2017, even though the first MRI was in March of 2018. But again, if you're saying that my herniated disc uh, arose in 2015, um, but the first evidence we have is in 2018, I don't know that you can assume a judge is going to go back that far unless you've got really, really compelling uh, proof that, in fact, you did hurt your back that far back. So my rule of thumb is that a judge might assume about six months, eight months uh, prior to the date of the first objective test, but beyond that, they won't do it. Now, some judges, I will tell you, take the position that they're not going to assume any medical problem exists before the existence of objective testing. So if you're claiming back problems and you have an emergency room visit, you show proof of a car accident, but the first MRI was in February of 2018 and you actually had the accident back in um, March of 2017, I've had judges say, I don't, I believe you, but because the first evidence is in 2018, that's what I'm going to use. Not too many judges are going to do that, but some will. So be aware that uh, even if the judge wants to believe you, some judges are really, really tied to the date on the objective evidence. So that means that the sooner you can get objective testing, like an MRI or a CT, the better. There's no reason to wait on that because, again, some judges are going to use the date on that test as opposed to other logical dates that might arise. Um, now, I'll also tell you that you may have a judge who really believes you. And I've had judges say to my clients, I believe you. I think what you're telling me is true. But I cannot approve you if I don't have evidence. And the reason they're saying that is that judges are being looked at when their, their decisions are being looked at by the appeals council and people at, at, at social security and the, the management sections. And they're looking to see are judges using good reasoning, logical reasoning to make approvals on cases. And so if you have a judge who is, who wants to believe you, but has no objective evidence or documentary evidence or medical records to prove that in fact you were disabled as of a certain date, the judge may say, despite the fact that I believe you, I cannot approve you. So be aware that this is very much evidence-driven. Disability, social security disability is evidence-driven, and the fact that the judge likes you or the fact that the judge believes you doesn't really mean much of anything if there is not proof in the form of solid medical evidence going back to approximately the date you claim that you became disabled. So that is sort of the, the premise of what we're talking about, that the judge needs good evidence. Um, I want to talk to you next about what constitutes the best kind of evidence. 
And what is a good substitute for the best kind of evidence if you don't have that? Uh, We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break now, and uh, I'll be right back with you. Don't know where to begin? Get my free Secrets to Getting Approved Survival Kit. Inside the kit, I discuss such things as how do you know if you have a case? What to do if you're denied? How to avoid common mistakes? And my ever-popular how to avoid trick questions from the judge. Subscribing is free and easy. Just visit ssdanswers.com and look for the survival kit for instant access. Remember, time is eroding your position every day. Don't delay. Act now. That's ssdanswers.com for your free survival kit. Welcome back, and now I want to talk to you about what constitutes the best evidence that you can have in a Social Security disability case. Well, generally speaking, the best evidence that you can have in a disability case is some form of objective imaging test, something like an MRI, a CT, an ultrasound, a cardiac function test, liver enzyme tests, rheumatoid arthritis, blood tests. Anything that can be viewed that is objective, it is not subjective, meaning that it's not something that a doctor says, well, this could be this, but I'm assuming X. This is an objective test that, you know, 99% of medical professionals would agree this MRI shows a herniated disc, that these blood levels indicate a, a kidney failure. Um, these, uh, this heart pulmonary function test shows that you have a congestive heart failure. So you want objective type of testing. And if you have that and you have good testimony that goes along with it that is consistent with the medical problems that, you, that, you, that the test reveals, for example, if, you're, if you've got a herniated disc at two levels and you complain about pain radiating into your leg or urinary issues or other types of medical problems that are associated with uh, back pain, uh, difficulty standing, balance, things like that, and you've got objective testing, then a judge is going to say, that's logical, that's reasonable. I'm going to assume uh, that this problem the person's talking about is consistent with uh, the medical test. Therefore, I'm going to use that and find that to be the best evidence and approve this case, assuming it's serious enough. So that's really the best evidence that you've got. Now, obviously, there are some medical conditions that are truly disabling that cannot be imaged. Uh, Depression, anxiety, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, chronic pain conditions. These conditions cannot be imaged. So if you can't image them, then the next best thing to do would be to look for other types of evidence. So for example, in a depression case, I can't point to a CT or an MRI showing depression, but I can show in a medical record that my client has had multiple trials of medication that have not worked. The doctor has changed the medication. The symptoms have not improved. Um, evidence of seriousness like a suicide attempt or inpatient hospitalization, um, evidence in the form of affidavits from former coworkers or supervisors about behavior issues, emotional instability at work in the real world, um, evidence of unsuccessful work attempts and records associated with that. So even if I don't have imaging, I can come up with creative ways to find proof uh, that a judge would believe because, again, a former coworker or supervisor has nothing to gain by executing an affidavit about your behavior issues or emotional instability. That is part of the mosaic that makes up a good proof for one of those kind of cases. And, again, 
uh, in a case, for example, with depression or anxiety or PTSD, it's got to be serious enough where a judge can conclude that this cannot be controlled medically or this has resulted in suicide attempts or inpatient hospitalizations. It can't be something that's very mild. Um, fibromyalgia is another thing. I see a lot of those cases. Um, used to be they were fairly easy to win. Now they're much more difficult to win. So there is a profile that I'm looking for. Uh, typically, it's going to be a female, type A female, usually age 40 plus, uh, who's had a very, very high stress job. And basically, the body goes in almost sort of a psychological form of shock. Um, Typically, fibromyalgia patients have long treatment histories with multiple doctors. Um, I'm I'm always going to be looking for a rheumatologist um, and statements from a rheumatologist that this person meets the definition of fibromyalgia set forth by the American College of Rheumatology. Uh, I'm going to look for affidavits from former coworkers and supervisors that talk about this person's problems working again in the real world. Uh, I may want to provide proof of uh, or evidence in the form of uh, of employment records showing that this person was a high achiever and got uh, was commended for the work that they did uh, because again most fibromyalgia patients uh, again are very high achieving people so it's very common that they were the top salespeople they're the top producer that's the profile the judge is expecting so we want to give that to the judge as much as possible. So again, uh, one of the things that that I do is I have in my mind when I'm looking at a case, no matter what the impairment, there's a certain profile of things I'm looking for. The judge obviously is going to have something similar in his or her mind. So the more I can create evidence that meets that profile, the more likely we're going to have to win. So some of the non-medical evidence that I use, if I don't have objective evidence, or even if I do, um, some of the things I look for long and consistent work history. Um, Judges will note more and more on the record even. They're going to give more weight to a claimant uh, who has a long, consistent work history. Um, They would assume that you're not going to give up a good-paying job to sit at home for two or three years waiting for Social Security to do its thing. So again, a work history is good evidence. And when when I have my clients testify, I have them talk about how fulfilling it was to work Uh, not just financially, but also emotionally, because work can be a social network, about how it gave them a sense of self-worth, just anything that goes along with uh, being a valued employee. Uh, Even the thought that someone who is working um, and is maybe two or three years away from retirement, that they would not give up a job and a career um, when they're two or three years away from retirement to, again, sit at home and wait for Social Security. So that's evidence, and your testimony, realize, is evidence that can really be helpful and tip the, the, uh, tip the case in your favor. Um, I think evidence of failed work attempts can be very, very powerful because, again, disability is about your work capacity. So if we have evidence that you have tried to work but you have not been successful in doing so, you've had two or three failed work attempts that have lasted a few weeks or even a couple of months, that is good evidence to show that you do not do not have the capacity to work ongoing. Um, I think evidence of hardship that you've suffered. Um, I've had people testify that their house was foreclosed, their car was repossessed. They had to move in at age 50 or 55 with mom and dad. Well, nobody wants to do that. So again, talking about what this all means, not being able to work despite your best efforts and your trial, your attempts to do so, that can be very solid evidence. So we've got to take a broad view of what constitutes evidence. And of course, I think another bit of, not necessarily evidence, but an important factor here would be your age. 
the older you are, um, I think the less evidence, the less amount of evidence and strength of evidence you're going to need. You're going to need a threshold of evidence, certainly. But a 25-year-old with back problems and a herniated disc is going to need a higher degree of impairment than a 55-year-old with a back problem because judges assume, rightly or wrongly, that a younger person has more likelihood of recovering more quickly. There's also a lot of pressure from Washington about not approving somebody to put them on disability for 30 years. So again, in my mind, um, the younger the person is, the more evidence and the better quality evidence I'm going to need. Uh, whereas when some, somebody gets a little bit older, they get in their late 40s, early 50s, we still need a threshold of good, good evidence, but we can perhaps get away with testimony plus evidence as opposed to just relying on objective evidence. So the point here, and I hope you got this point from this uh, this episode, is that evidence really drives the disability process. We've got to have evidence. We've got to have medical evidence because, again, the definition of disability talks about something that is medically determinable. But in addition to the medical evidence, there's a lot of non-medical evidence we can introduce that will shore up the medical evidence and make your testimony that much more believable. So when I'm putting together a case, I'm looking at both of those things. Obviously, if I have less quality in terms of the medical evidence, I'm going to have to rely more on the non-medical. But again, you want to put as much of that in there as possible. But I want you to see and understand that there is the judges look at these cases holistically and in a very, very big picture. So it's not just about an MRI. It's about all the factors that go along with having chronic severe back pain or chronic severe depression or fibromyalgia. What does this all mean? I'm fond of saying in my videos that your job as a claimant is to paint a picture. You want the judge to understand and to to get to live a, a day or two in your shoes to understand what's going on uh, in your life and why uh, you can't work despite your desire to do so. If you do that, you give the judge every reason in the world to go ahead and say, I believe this person, the evidence is strong enough to support it. I'm going to go ahead and issue a fully favorable decision, which is where we want to be. So I hope this gives you an idea of what evidence is all about in a disability case. Any questions, please reach out to me. Happy to try to answer them. And until next episode, this is Jonathan Ginsberg wishing you the best. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. Subscribe to this podcast for regular updates at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this podcast useful, then please give me a five-star review because it helps others see the value of my information. Thank you in advance. For a 100% free and confidential evaluation of your case, visit ssdanswers.com. That's ssdanswers.com. Don't delay. Act now.